Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketing Podcast. I'm Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today, we talk about a topic that's called PESO. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a methodology and a kind of a way to categorize your different marketing initiatives. So we talked about identifying each of those categories of the acronym PESO, and then how do you actually leverage this and implement this framework to your marketing strategy and what that could mean for your business. So hope you guys enjoy. So Taylor, I want to talk a, a little bit about the PESO model that we talk about internally. We share with our clients and our team from a training perspective, but a lot of people don't necessarily get what that is. I want to give a little highlight of what it is and why they need it, why it's important. Uh, what do you think? Let's do it. Makes a great episode. Yeah. So the first thing is, what is the PESO model? What are the components of it and why it's important? After yeah. being in this industry for so many years, you know, how does it all work? There's so much overlap and so on. Yeah, so PESO model is essentially just a way to categorize different, I don't want to say marketing channels, but there's a lot of different marketing channels. PESO categorizes into four main categories and each letter of the acronym stands for something. So PESO... It's not the Mexican currency. It, right. Uh, <laughs> it is, yeah. That was what I was thinking first. You said, you know, the peso marketing model, maybe just pay, pay for it in pesos. It's cheaper than paying in, in dollars. But. So paid, earned, shared, and owned. Peso. P-E-S-O. So let's kind of talk about each one of those areas, just high level, what's involved in paid, earned, shared, owned. And then we could talk about why do you have to do all of them, yep. right? Or why is this a model versus just, investing in each channel individually. So just to kind of break them down, paid is exactly what it sounds like is essentially any paid advertisement, paid marketing initiative that you have going on or that is possible for you to invest in as your brand to reach your audience. So probably the most common paid channels would be like Google ads, whether those are search ads or display ads, remarketing video, and then other paid channels is like a lot of times social media is where most brands are spending their money from a paid perspective. But there's a lot of paid channels. I mean, you could look at it as like a TV commercial, a, right. you know, a more of a traditional you know, billboard or anything that you're paying for the ability to promote your brand would be a paid channel. So let's go on to the, the E then. So earn. So help our audience understand what is earned media and how you go about getting earned media. Absolutely. So earned is when you are putting out content and people are liking it and sharing it. They're not directly paid. It's free, right? It's free. You're not having to pay for it. Like I write a lot of PR articles and whatever else, mm -hmm. and they might share it and they like the content. I didn't pay for it. I just had to put out the content. And now all this noise is there that I'm getting all this traffic and whatever back. Yeah. It's out there in the ecosystem. You earned it. Yeah. So one, uh, one probably clarification we should make, there is a model, which maybe on the video version, yeah, we, of can this, show we can it. show the model where it's a, a Venn diagram, right? So a lot of these overlap, each one of the sections kind of overlaps at some point. So the example you just gave is probably an overlap of earned and, and shared media. Yeah. So earned media is, yeah, is the idea of something that it's an in, almost an indirect promotion. It is somebody else talking Promoting. about you, which comes from you kind of earning that brand awareness and earning that trust. You mentioned probably the most common when we talk about digital marketing is like a PR opportunity. Yep. So let's say recently you had an article that was published in Forbes, right? So that would be an earned media opportunity because 
it's not something that you own that you wrote on your own website or something you shared on your own, you know, you created on your own social profile. And it wasn't necessarily something somebody else shared. It was something you earned on a, a third party website. So this third letter, right, is that shared piece, which is where there is a lot of overlap specifically with, I think, you know, a lot of times with the earned media. So shared is whether it's your content or an earned media piece, someone else sharing that content, yeah. right? So that was the example you gave of, hey, you got this article published on a third party website, and then a lot of other people read that website and enjoyed the content. So then they shared it. So now you're getting for that one piece of content, you're getting all this, you know, sort of additional impact and reach through that that shared. A lot of times, you know, people look at influencer marketing as, as one of the ways of, again, kind of towing the line of earned and shared, or you're partnering and working with influencers to expand your reach and piggyback on their audience. So those are kind of some common, I guess, channels when you talk about uh, earned and shared. So talk about owned, what media, what formats are actually owned? So owned is a simple one. It's everything that you pay for that is your property. So your website would be one that you own the website and the landing pages and all the digital assets that you have, a video, anything that you have it, it's not somebody else's that you're piggybacking on. It's your own. Yeah, anything that, yeah, is... um, You have full control over changing it. Right. Right. Facebook is Facebook's own property. Yeah, so so (laughs) that's... um, Yeah, and I would even, again, they all kind of overlap, right? But I would even categorize your social profile as as your own assets, right? So your website, your social profiles. And then the difference between that and paid, because people might say, well, I own my, you know, AdWords account or I own my Facebook page. As soon as you stop paying those particular ads, that particular content stops showing up. So I think that's the the difference difference between paid is that when you're talking about own media, your website, whether you're paying to promote your website, whether you're driving traffic organically, whether people are sharing that, you know, social media or that, blog post on on social media, whether you're doing any of that, anything you do to your website is something that you own. Any changes you make, any content you create is your content. And right. so that is, you know, people invest into own media. And that's one of the, the reasons why. So now that we've kind of given the uh, high level right. uh, definition of what the acronym stands for, let's talk about how you apply this methodology in this framework to your business, to your marketing plan, because it's not just a way to define, okay, well, I'm doing paid media versus owned media. It's not just to define that and identify that. It's so that you can then make sure that you have a comprehensive plan that is reaching audiences via all all four four channels. So let's talk a little bit about how we apply this to our clients and uh, what we believe as a a marketing agency. Even, you know, our our name kind of incorporates this idea. very true because... Again, let's talk about the name. It's one IMS. It stands for Integrated Marketing Solutions. And it's never meant to be just one type of marketing. And there's a lot of companies who specialize in paid. There's a lot of companies who specialize in social media. That's all they do. A lot of companies would specialize in building websites. And it was not to be a generalist in marketing. It's to really understand that marketing has to be an integrated approach. And you don't have the flexibility of working with a social agency and a PR agency and a paid agency and a, right, you have in-house team. Not everybody has that luxury. So if you're going to pick one or you're going to pick someone to work with you. And if they don't have a integrated approach, you're missing out on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Just as if you and I were portfolio managers and all we did is put everybody's money into stocks. Got a lot of great years. Yeah. There's a lot of years where it was 50% decline, mm-hmm. right? So what do you do? We literally just 
had a horrible portfolio strategy yeah. because we put all our eggs in one basket. That's exactly how I feel about not having to be invested in multiple channels at the same time. Yeah. And I even think that the use of the word integrated is important because it's not, we're not talking about diversified and we're not talking about multi-channel, right? I don't think multi-channel does it alone and diversifying your approach doesn't do it alone. Integrating or intertwined. Yeah. Integrating the same strategy, the same message, the same ideas across multiple Multiple channels channels. is what we're talking about with this peso strategy, right? So you can't necessarily act independently. And that's where- Like a paid funnel and it's something else here and something else there and you see no cohesiveness. And you, I mean, they can operate on their own and they can be successful, but the best results that we see is when you're, again, you're integrated across all four of those. And yes, you have certain initiatives and certain messages that are better- suited for certain paid channels, right? Yeah. But those the same idea, the same goal should apply, right? We're, our audience, we have to understand our audience is across multiple channels. channels. And the whole reason behind investing and in, in kind of shifting towards this peso model is so that you can take advantages of the pros of each of these channels, right? And then sort of mitigate the risk of the cons on each of these channels and then reach your audience with the right message at the right time. So there's a big difference there, theoretically, when you're you know applying this compared to just, well, let's try a little bit of pay. Let's try a little bit of right. you know, share. Or and, try it and then turn it off right. and try something else and then look at this and say, well, you know, none of this is working cohesively. Yeah. And I think you're right. Having someone look at your current marketing as a whole, everything in it, even if you did offline events, everything, looking at the model and say, hey, how do we actually make this all work? Imagine that we were creating, you know, a campaign and having some elements of that campaign traffic is coming through paid. And then we're going to write about that or we're going to get PR about that. Right. All of those becoming at the same time, it works really well together and you're going to get the results that you're looking for. I don't know. I just really feel like, like you said, it's not just trying to run some Facebook ads for the sake of running Facebook ads and then saying that I got my paycheck and then I'm going to do some, uh, you know, outreach and then check that off. Yeah. Of course, we're going to write some Have, blogs yeah, and get that checked off. Having something is not the same as they're all working together. Having a strategy, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, we have a website. So check that box, right? right. It's like, well, are you investing into the website? Does your content strategy support your paid your growth your earned strategy or shared strategy, right? Is it reaching your audience? Are you doing anything to promote it? So all of it needs to be, like you said, you can't just say, hey, well, we're running ads. Okay, great. Well, how do those two ads, you know, intertwine with each other, right? So you're running, I mean, we can look at a, a very real life example. Let's use, um, let's say paid social as, as an example, right? So you can look at one company's paid social campaign versus another company's paid social campaign, especially if you're doing something with and leveraging like a remarketing list. I think is a great example because remarketing means that you're the only people seeing your ads are people who have been to your website in yeah. the past. So if you're doing that on its own, you're just getting a bunch of random visitors to your website that have come from, you know, I guess maybe organic search or just past customers and you're showing ads to them. Maybe your paid strategy can generate some leads, some kind of traction. You might get some brand awareness within that small group of people, but it's not going to work as well as if everything was working in conjunction, meaning we have top of the funnel research related keywords that are driving a lot of organic traffic through one channel to our own platform. 
we're creating a lot of valuable content on our social platforms so that once they're there, they can go see our social platforms and see yeah. that those content. We're driving middle or bottom of the funnel paid traffic through Google search. And we're also running display and video ads on YouTube that is educational based content that is, you know, we're measuring engagement and then remarketing to those people based on how long the video they watch. So we're hitting all the, and then obviously people are seeing that content is valuable and they're sharing it and extending that reach. And then more people are coming to the website. So now we're driving more and more and more and more traffic to our website. We're cooking all those people. We're allowing, you know, Facebook pixel to capture that data. And then we're using and leveraging Facebook's platform and capabilities to reach that audience through a paid strategy, as well as extend that reach by running like a lookalike campaign or something along those lines. And then of course we have to make sure that, and this is a very important piece, that the offer in that ad is right. aligned with the type of audience and the or traffic the clients that, you're that you building want in the first place. Right? right. So having that all work together is guaranteed to increase the results of that one channel. But you can't look at that one channel and say, hey, this one channel is getting me the best return on investment. So let's only invest into that, right? Conversely, you see that in like a bottom of the funnel campaign as well. A lot of times people will look at their search ads and they say, well, my branded search is the best doing results. the best. It's lowest cost per click, lowest Always. cost per lead, highest conversion rates. And all of those people are, you know, either existing customers coming back or, you know, they're, they become a customer right away. Again, that's taking a small microscope on one and a short one of these quadrants that we're talking about in a yeah. very small window, right. which is, is important too. And then making a decision based on that when you have to look at how all of this is working, how it's all integrated and how they all feed off of each other. And Google and different tools have some attribution and different ways to report that and you know which how other ads or other pieces of content influence that decision. But a lot of that is still untrackable, I would say, and in a lot of the subconscious ways that we make decisions and, you know, the fundamental marketing ideals that, you know, we all learned back in, in business school about, you know, it takes seven touches right. or 10 touches for somebody to remember your brand or whatever that may be. A lot of that is being forgotten because right. of the ability to track the very last touch attribution. And people say, well, just only bid on your brand name and you're going to, and you're good to go. Think about it. How do people know your brand name? How do they get to that point where they search your brand name in the first place? Correct. So I mean, if that was else. the case, I say Coca-Cola would not be advertising anymore Yeah, because yeah. they're selling it in 200 plus countries. Why do they need any more advertising? <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rates from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at 1IMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening. And let's get back to our topic for the day. So it's the same exact reason. And many people are struggling because they're not able to do that. And 
again, I think understanding this and kind of thinking about how you would construct a portfolio in the real world so you don't risk. Look, if Google were to have another algorithm update and you lost all your organic traffic, would you survive? And if paid traffic were to be extremely expensive on Facebook or Google or wherever, and you just couldn't afford it because the cost per click didn't make any sense, like with attorneys having $70 or for insurance clicks having even more, it just doesn't make sense. What would you do with your business, right? Like that's the, you have to think about it. If something were to go down tomorrow, would I still survive? And if the answer is no, then you have to revisit your entire funnel. <laughs> yeah, we've seen real world examples of that. I mean, all of the time. In our industry, we see it with a lot of our clients. We do work a lot in the B2B space. So manufacturing comes to mind over and over and over again. We saw our clients getting 80, 90, 100% of their customers. They found them through ThomasNet, right? So they, right. they go to ThomasNet. I almost said they go to Google, but they didn't. They right. went directly to ThomasNet or they had a, a printed out list of pre-approved vendors or they had a, a directory a ThomasNet, you know, magazine essentially that was shipped to their office. And whenever they needed a vendor, they would go under the section that they were looking for and then call two, three vendors, get a quote, add someone into their procurement process, and then, you know, away they went. That was it. And we've seen the huge shift in the way that people are making those decisions, the way that they have access to information. The internet has, you know, made the world a, a lot smaller in the sense that people can do business with people all over the country or all over the world. And so those kind of lists, those kind of trade shows, those kind of directories may not provide the same volume of leads. So like you said, if you're just putting all of your eggs into that one basket, which was essentially a paid basket where right. they for years were not investing into their own infrastructure, marketing, weren't doing anything to drive traffic from multiple channels, they wouldn't do anything to nurture the leads, to pay across other platforms right. and channels to reach an additional audience, just very complacent and focused on one particular channel. So the time it made sense, but you have to have a little bit long-term vision as well. So that's a great point in terms of, hey, one reason why you have to do this is, is to not put all your eggs into one, one basket, basket, right? The other piece of that, I mean, we've talked about a couple of reasons. One is, yes, they're all going to feed off of each other. And if it's integrated properly, they're going to make each other perform better. The other one, like you mentioned, is, hey, we want to make sure that we're not putting all our eggs into one basket. The other thing is that realistically, there are advantages and disadvantages of each channel, right? And so the same idea applies to, they're all going to operate better together rather than independently. But I want to make sure that we do kind of address each of the, the pros and cons, just so people kind of understand what we're talking about here. Sure. So I have some notes written down here. So on the paid side, I would say we talk about this all the time, is, is probably the only channel that you can anticipate any sort of immediate impact, whether that's just traffic or whether that's actual leads or customers paying for it is fast. Pay to play. Um, it's relatively scalable because you do solve for that equation and then it's just put more money into yep. it, right? The disadvantages is that like you just, the same as the pros, right? You have to pay for it. It's, right. It can become quite expensive, especially if you're in a very competitive industry. market and you're trying, or even if it's not that competitive when you're in a volume-based industry and you need to get in front of a lot of people, uh, you got to pay a, a lot to make that happen. Is it to pay for every click or however many impressions? The other thing is that we hear all the time and there's data to support this data to go against this, but people say, Hey, you know, paid is uh, not as trustworthy, right? Because they, it's, it says this is sponsored, this is paid. So people know that you're paying to do that. And if they do know, a lot of times they won't click on that or they won't see that as authoritative or trustworthy as 
an alternative, you know, an ulterior sure. way of them getting the information, right? If I recommend you, you need to go, you know, use this realtor or you need right. to go do this or buy a car from this guy is much different than you seeing in an ad and then calling that person, right? right. So it's just a different format. You can get in front of the same person at the same message, but the delivery method is sometimes seen as, as untrustworthy. So earned, right? So this is, again, the idea that someone else is writing the content. So that would be like me right. saying, hey, the example I just gave you about, you should use this realtor. So it comes with that built-in sort of trust or authoritative Third-party validation. Especially if it is an authoritative person or piece, right? So if it's a... Influencer marketing. Exactly. A well-known website, anything <laughs> like that is like, they're going to have that built-in trust. This must be legitimate. The disadvantages of that is it can also be expensive if we're talking about influencer marketing or something along those lines, even from a PR perspective, because it takes a lot of time, effort, work, and then even sometimes actual cash investment to get that article published, which really, when you look at that process, even then I just kind of explained it, it's kind of unscalable, especially compared to paid, where you figure out it's $2 a click, you spend $10,000, $20,000, $100,000, and it's still going to be relatively the same. You can... Right. Guarantee you get the traffic as long as people are searching for it, going about and trying to, you know, basically bang on doors and ask people to write about you is not a scalable practice. So again, when you look at these all individually, sometimes the pros outweigh the cons, sometimes they don't. But when you start putting them together and having them work in tandem, that's where you're really going to see the the benefit. What about shared, right? Somebody shares a piece of content. What would you say is the advantage of that? It's easy. Right, you create something and they're sharing, and then possibly, if other people start to share, you're yep. now growing exponentially. And that's what I love yep. about social is that when I can ask somebody to tag a friend, now my friend sees it and their friend sees it, and right. I was just like twice the ROI for one piece of content. Yeah. Extremely scalable and cost literally nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely scalable from an investment perspective and a time perspective. I'd say. It's uh, probably un- more unreliable, though, because it's, you know, you can't control it's, you're, what happens, you're putting your trust in somebody else. But I think it has the same advantages of what we talked about with Earn. I think it comes in with that built in trust factor because people buy from brands that they trust. And if they hear about that brand from a person they trust, they're already you know jumping past that stage and they already kind of trust that brand. So I agree with you. It's it is low investment, low cost. It's more scalable from a resource perspective. But it's not necessarily something I would rely on as my sole form of marketing or or advertising because again it's not controllable. You're yeah, you're at the mercy of somebody else. Somebody else, or a lot of times a number of different people in order to make that work properly. So let's talk about owned, right? Because a lot of times people forget I think I don't know if you say forget or overlook this as a channel, but owned is again everything that you can control is the exact opposite of what website. we were just talking about. So right. it is your website, it's your content, it's your videos, it's your social platform. So really the the advantages of OWN is that, in or investing in OWN as your marketing channel, um, I would say is essentially little to no risk, risk. because it, it's not something that really ever goes away. It might not be effective, um, but you still you own, own the website. Right? You own right. that website, you own that content, you can manipulate, change, make adjustments, expand, contract, whatever you need to do. But at the end of the day, that was something you created and you own on your own website. I think the the disadvantage of that is that, again, the same thing I just said, it, it might not work. Uh, right. It might take a long time to work. 
uh, or you don't know how to make it work. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy process. I mean, it, we talk about own, right? Although it's your website, the primary channel for a lot of businesses that you actually get visibility to that website through an owned medium would be through a Google search, right? So it's Google or search engines. Uh, In this case, Google is the search engine that people use. It's crawling and understanding and reading your content and then showing it and people click on it, right? So that is the reason they found it is because of what you invested into your own website, but it's complex to make that happen. So while it's low risk in the sense that I'm not necessarily losing any money, I'm not, you know, I'm not risking anything because I'm paying somebody to write this content or I'm spending my time to write the content and I still own it. There's a big risk in the sense of opportunity cost that I'm going to invest into this own medium, own platform for six months or six years and never see any kind of return from it when, again, acting on its own. So the whole idea and the whole reason that we bring this up, the advantages, disadvantages of each one, is so you can kind of start to see of why focusing on one channel alone is probably not the best strategy. And then the other thing is that when you start investing into both, essentially mitigating the risk of any of those right. negatives, because you're gaining the the benefits from all of them. At the same time, they're all going to start working better. When, and that's, yeah. that's all the, the journey is too, right? The yeah. buyer's journey. They could see your, your brand in a social post because somebody shared it. And then they go and see your paid ad. They see your website that you own, you opt in. Now you continue to nurture them. You have to have all four if you really wanted to make that's it how work. The user works. That's how Google works. I mean, Google, yes, crawling your content, but they're also looking at independent third-party websites, publications that are talking about you, linking back to you, both follow, no follow right. links. They're looking at your content. Is it valuable to the audience? Are people sharing it? Are you engaging with people on social platforms? You have likes, followers, right? All those kind of things. So the reason that Google looks at that is because they Google was built by people and like you just said, that's how people work. They look for third-party validation. They look to their friends for recommendations. And then they use all of the information from the entire buyer's journey that they've gathered to actually make that final decision. So if you're just focusing on one channel, it might open some doors or you know might give you the opportunity to get some business, but right. not to the extent that if you are really focusing on reaching your audience at the right time, Throughout using a, an integrated sort of peso model. Cool. So how do we wrap this one up? Anyone who is actually invested in just one channel or one of the peso item, they need to work on improving that to maybe two to three to four. It's not an overnight process. Everybody's got owned. And that's the thing, right? It's not overnight. I mean, I think a lot of people could be listening to this and just thinking like, they might be yelling at us right in their car when they're listening. It's like, yeah, that sounds great, but I can't afford to do all that. So which one is the best for me in my situation? There um, is no best. Yeah, without talking to you, understanding your business, understanding your customers, I, I can't give you that kind of advice or recommendation. But regardless, I know that a multi-channel, again, integrated approach like this will work better than doing it in sort of siloed activities. If you can't afford to do it now, whether it's time, you know, all time or money, right? Either you're doing it yourself or right. you're paying somebody to do it, whether that's internal or external, same idea. So if you can't do it today, the goal needs to be to work yourself to that point, right? Because we talk about it all the time, the consumer, the customer, whether it's B2B, B2C, they're all over the place. And like we just said, their way that they actually gather information and make decisions is not a linear path, a linear process. And it's certainly not a one-touch process, right? right. So unless you're selling uh, 
you know, those little uh, trinkets that they have at the very end of the the checkout, the, the checkout line when you're, you know, waiting there and then uh, you five hour a, energy, a, a splash, you know, last minute decision. Yeah. If that's not your, uh, your business. intended audience, that's not your business model, then yeah, you do need to have an approach like this that is integrated across platforms. And I would still say that if budget is a concern, as I mentioned, you have typically time or money. So if the budget's the concern, then focus on things that don't require the budget. Don't invest into the paid at this time, maybe and do the owned and do the earned and do the shared because we talked about the advantages of earned and shared is that there's not a lot of hard costs. It's just a lot of time and resources is probably the you know unscalable way to do it. But sometimes you got to do those unscalable things in order to, to get where you need to go. So there's a lot of advantages of those as well, because as we mentioned, they come in with that built-in authority and built-in trust. So I don't see that as a big objection, right? Of, hey, I don't have the budget to have an integrated approach or a multi-channel approach. Maybe not to the extent that you want, but you can still focus on at least three out of the four letters of that acronym there. Awesome. Well, like I said, if you have any questions on any of this and you wanted us to audit your current marketing mix, yep. be glad to do it. And uh, this is some pesos. Exactly. It's uh, it's definitely not easy. And, you know, we don't recommend you trying to do this and figuring it out alone. I think it really needs to be a team approach. A lot of time and energy need to be spent on strategy before we do execution and and so on. Uh, But thanks a lot for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Growth Marketers Podcast. Loved this episode of the Growth Marketers Podcast? Share it with a friend and head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review.